0: Well, God bless you guys, and welcome to Swerve once again, man. I'm so excited that we're celebrating one year today since we publicly launched. Really, realistically speaking, I mean, it's been a much longer journey than that, right? Because, man, my wife and I started by loving and serving our neighbors and inviting people to come into that and to helping us do that years before. But, man, but since we publicly launched, it's been exactly a year. Actually, tomorrow will be exactly a year. So I'm really excited that we can celebrate one year, and not a... Not of us doing something great, really, but of God's great hand and His mercies and, and how much He's provided and the relationships that have been built and the opportunities to be able to serve our community has been great. And really looking forward to what lies ahead in the year in the, in the year ahead and what, what's going to happen. I'm just so excited for what's to come. As you guys know, we've been in this series now, and uh, my hope for everyone today, here's the big idea, okay? If you tune out and you miss everything else, this is what I really hope that you can understand and that you can get. Here's what I want everyone here today, is that I hope by the end of this message today, the leader within you would be empowered to fulfill your God-given burden. That, that's my heart. That's the whole point of this message. That My hope is that you would be empowered. The leader within you would be empowered to fulfill your God-given burden. So we're in week two of this series on the life of Nehemiah. I told you guys that this book really... It did it in for me, man. When it was time to plant out this church and I really felt this burden that God was calling me to start this work here in this community, Nehemiah is what put me over the edge. and I was like, all right, I'm all in You know, after I read this book. And I really pray in a lot of ways that it does the same thing to you. and I hope that it inspires the snot out of you. That's what I really pray and hope that it will do. Uh, but this is what we spoke about last week, right? That God specializes in using ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. God specializes in using ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. Man, this is good news for me, because I don't know about you, but I'm an ordinary guy. And we kind of joked around last week that, you know, if you were voted, you know, most popular, most likely, most likely to succeed, you know, if you have more trophies than the Yankees, guess what? I have good news for you. God can still use you. He just prefers to use ordinary people and do something phenomenal in them. All right. So the Bible is full of examples, right. We see this all throughout Scripture. This very thing happens over and over and over again. And we especially see it in the life of Nehemiah. Last week we mentioned that Nehemiah hears about the, the condition of the walls back home. and He's from Jerusalem, and, and it really does something deep down inside of him. It really burdens him. It, it births something in him. The walls were the first line of defense. Back home, they protected you know, the people. It were the first line of defense. And it was also just... You know, plain old embarrassment, right? For the, these are the people of God. This is Israel, and their walls are in shambles. So it was an embarrassment. So we learned that Nehemiah was just an ordinary guy working as a cupbearer to the king. And we kind of joked around last week that it was a dead-end job. It was literally a dead-end job because if he drank the wine that was poisoned, he was dead. <laughs> there was nothing particularly outstanding about Nehemiah, nothing particularly that stood out. However, when he hears the news about the condition of the walls, it does something inside of him, and God begins to birth this divine burden deep down inside of him. And so last week, just a quick recap, we'll learn that there's three things that ordinary world changers do. You guys remember? Uh, the first thing, we, we sit down to cry. right? The first, the Nehemiah felt this burden, and the first thing he does, he begins to weep. He just starts to cry because the burden was just so deep and it compelled him so much. We talked about all the people that passed by that wall because the exile was over. People were already back in the city, and it didn't do a thing to them. But to Nehemiah, a thousand miles away, to hear about the condition of the walls, he sits down and begins to weep. The second thing that ordinary world changers do is they kneel down to pray. It compelled them so much so that he began to pray and cry out to God and worship God and, and pray about this, the condition of the walls. Began to pray. And the third thing, man, if he just kept it at crying and praying, it'd be pretty passive, but he stood up to act. And ordinary world changers get up and stand up to act. In fact, that's kind of where we left off last week, right? You guys remember? He's in front of the king, and he's presenting this compelling vision to the king. Now, what's interesting is that when we look at the, at the life of Nehemiah, is that he didn't allow his position to dictate whether or not he could fulfill this God-given dream, this God-given burden. It, it, his position did not determine whether or not he could fulfill it, right? It was a passion, that was birthed within him from God himself to accomplish this God-sized dream. It was it was a passion to see the walls rebuilt. Now, how different is that, guys, in our day and age? When we tend, in our churches, we tend to create this hierarchical kind of a structure, right? And where everybody looks up to the leader and everybody looks up to the pastor. And obviously, it's the pastor's job to go out and make disciples. It's the pastor's job to serve the community. It's the pastor's job to go out there and do that. And, and so often our churches are structured that way where we look up to the main guy, right? This is the position to admire. And so we end up thinking because of these structures, well, the burden must not be me because I'm not a pastor. Right? I'm, not a, I'm not no missionary. I'm not no leader. So how can I be having this passion to do something great, to love and serve my neighbors, to lead people to Christ, to disciple you know, my, the people in my spheres of influence? I'm not, I'm not a pastor, And so we end up following that line of thought. Or we think this, I want to be a pastor so that I can accomplish this great vision. And we think that must be the way to go. Maybe God's calling me to pastoralship. So we tend to fall in one of these two veins, right? Well, I have this great burden, but I'm not a pastor. I can't accomplish that. I have this great burden, so obviously I guess God's calling me to be a pastor, right? Neither one is necessarily true. And in the case of Nehemiah, instead what we see is not a position that dictates Nehemiah's vision for the rebuilt walls. Instead, it's his passion. He has this passion to rebuild the walls. And, and we look at the life of a Nehemiah, we learn this, that to make a difference in this world, we don't have to be the best. We just have to care the most. You just have to care the most. Nehemiah is cut to the king. He wasn't in a particularly influential seat in the kingdom, but he was passionate, man. He was more passionate than anybody that was around him about the condition of the walls. It broke his heart to hear about the condition of the walls, and it bubbled up within him, this passion within him. And and he said, you guys remember this? He said, someone's got to do something about this. It might as well be me. It bubbled up this passion. He just felt like, man, I have to do something about it. Let me ask you guys this question. Do you feel like a world changer? Do you consider yourself like an extraordinary leader? And and if you don't, why not? Why don't you feel that way? Why don't you consider yourself that way? Because what we see in the life of Nehemiah is that God specializes in using ordinary people. And I hope that you can begin to see yourself as a leader. I hope that by the end of this message that you'll be empowered and see Everyone here see themselves as a leader. Listen, you're not just a stay-at-home mom. You're not just an employee at a seemingly unmeaningful job. You're not just a casual church goer. You're not a mediocre Christian. You are a world changer. You are a change your world leader. Listen, you're a leader sent with a very specific mission from God to leave a lasting impact during your time here on earth. How long are you going to live? Nobody knows how long you're going to live, right? But the time that you're here, God has placed you here with the mission to leave a lasting impact, whatever time span that would be. Every breath you breathe is meaningful. Every step you take is filled with purpose. You have the opportunity to channel your inner, change your world leader and take a step towards fulfilling that divine burden that's been placed there by God. And this is just as true in the context of our church. We've been talking about as individuals, there's a God-given burden that God's placed on your heart. I'm going to give you some examples that maybe can help you. Think of some of those things um, today. But this is just as true in the context of our church. I need you all to see yourselves as leaders, not just a a casual churchgoer. I need you to feel the burden for this community. I need you to see the hurt of the people that you pass by when you walk, here to church when you drove in and found a parking spot. I need you to feel for the pain of the people in this community. I need you to feel the burden for Bushwick. You know, this week as my wife and I were prayer walking, I shared this with some of you guys on the uh, the private Facebook group page. But we came across this sign, and as we were prayer walking, and I found it very symbolic that it would just come up. Not to hyper spiritualize it, but but it, what it did was serve me as a reminder to man. There's a lot of brokenhearted in our community. There's a lot of people with broken hearts, and it it served as a reminder for me to pray for those that are brokenhearted. You guys heard on the news about that young man that jumped from the building. Guys, that was just walking distance from here, two blocks from here. He, He fell off the roof and he died. Can you imagine how brokenhearted those family members are today? Can you imagine the amount of tears, the massive amount of tears that they've shed? This served as a reminder for me to pray for those that are brokenhearted. Look at the hopelessness because of the lack of gospel witness in our community. View the church as God's way of reaching people far from God. And guess what? You are an important piece of that puzzle. It cannot be done without you. You play an extremely important part of this puzzle. So listen, Nehemiah didn't allow his position to dictate his passion. He felt God's burden to go out. And to do something for God. To go and build, rebuild the walls. To, to rally the people to go ahead and do this. And he channeled that change your world leader. And that's what I hope for all of us here today. That we, would, that we would consider ourselves a change your world leader. And looking at the life of Nehemiah, there's three things that we pull out in this regard. And if you're taking notes, please take out the bulletin or, and open it up. And feel free to follow along. There's a couple fill in the blanks. Some of the verses are there. Here's the first thing that we see. A change your world leader defines the mission clearly. A change your world leader defines the mission clearly. And we see this in Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 4 and 5. It says this. The king said to me, what is it you want? So you guys remember last week we finished off with him right before the king. And and he goes before the king and he's sad, right? He's, he's, He's downcast. And you never go to the king with your face like that because it might just be your last day. But obviously, he's so overwhelmed and so burdened by this calling that as he goes before the king, the king recognizes it, and he says, "What? what is it? What is it he wants to matter? And Nehemiah goes on to share his heart about what's going on, and here the king says, what is it you want? Now check out these next few words right there in verse 4 in your notes. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Guys, it's so important that we bathe everything that we do in prayer, in constant prayer. And listen, in fact, if your dream is not not big enough that you can just fulfill it yourself without without any prayer, you're just not dreaming big enough. We need to be constantly bathing. What God's calling us to do here in, in Bushwick through Swerve Church to serve our neighbors. We need to be constantly bathing that in prayer. We've already mentioned How often Nehemiah prays throughout the book, right? Last week, if you finished off chapter 1, it's just one long prayer. Chapter 1, he continues to pray about this calling, about what God has called him to do. And he prays about it. In this case, it's just a quick prayer that he calls out to God. He he prays before the king, right before he answers. In verse 5, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. So here Nehemiah defines the mission clearly. right? He says, I'm going to rebuild the walls. That's, that's his mission, if you can sum it up in a phrase. He says, I'm going to rebuild the walls. And there's extreme clarity around this vision, right? There's no and ifs or buts. This is what God's calling him to do. And if you're going to be a change your world leader, then we need to define our mission clearly. And as a church, we have a mission. Do you guys know it? Do you guys remember it? I think I have it up here for us. This is our mission. It's to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That's it. That's our mission. That's what God has called us to as a church, to lead the people in our neighborhood right here in Bushwick to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That's what we want to do. We want to reach our neighbors, the people in this community, and we want them to surrender their lives to Jesus. We want them to live in a way that is fully devoted to following Jesus. And everything we do ties back to this mission, right? The last couple of weeks, we've had some outreaches. We had some mission teams that came, and we were able to, you know, hand out M&Ms, and we were able to sweep up something, clean up some of the parks, serve at PS. 299 and do some phenomenal and great things and really be able to serve the people in our community. But everything that we do ties in back to this purpose right here to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. To lead them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And our outreaches lead to that extent. How about our Sunday gatherings? You know, whether you're here and you're far from God and you've never entered a relationship with Jesus, our heart and our desire is to lead you to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. But guess what? If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've been serving God for a long time, our desire for you is still to lead you to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. Because we never make it, right? We're on this journey together. We might be in different places on this journey, but but we're all seeking God and we're all going together. And our mission is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And in our life groups, we're going to be launching life groups in a couple of weeks. And when we get together, basically, if you don't know what a life group is, it's outside of a Sunday gathering. We meet in in an apartment and we break bread and we pray with one another and we we read God's word and we encourage one another. And in those life groups, guess what? It ties back to our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Collectively, as a church, this is our mission. This is our mission. But what about for you as an individual? What is God calling you to do? What is your God-given burden? Let me just give you guys some examples to think about. As you think about what might be your personal uh, your personal God-given burden, you may be here today and you might be thinking, man, my desire is to be debt-free. Right, man, you know, you, you recognize that you really want to be a good steward of your resources, and you can't really be generous and you can't really be a good steward if you're constantly in debt. And so your mission might be something like this: to be that free, so that I can honor God by being a good steward of my finances. Or maybe, maybe you want to. You're in a, in a section of your life, in a season of life, where you want you know, you want to disciple your kids. You want to you want you really want to spend time with your kids in in God's Word and 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 spending time with them in prayer and teaching them the Bible. And so it might be to disciple your kids. Well your mission statement might be something like this. To lead, love, and instruct my children to love Jesus passionately. Or maybe where you work at, you recognize that it's a mission field and that there's an opportunity to be able uh, to lead people to Christ and you want to maybe start a Bible study or you want to share your faith with your coworkers and maybe that's your heart, then maybe your, your mission statement is this. To give those in my profession and sphere of influence the best opportunity to see Christ. So here's what we want to do. With whatever the burden is that God's placed on your heart, if you can't define it, you can't do it. We want to be concise and specific. We want to be change-your-world leaders, and so we're going to be very intentional about defining the mission clearly. Here's the second thing in your notes. A change-your-world leader makes plans carefully. We make plans carefully. Have you guys ever heard this saying right here? I'm sure you have. If you fail to plan... You plan to fail. Planning, guys, is just so important. And as he presents, Nehemiah, as he presents his burden and his dream to the king, what you're going to realize in chapter 2, verse 6 on, is that he has a very detailed plan. He has a very detailed plan that he's going to present to the king. Let's pick it up in Nehemiah chapter 2, the second half of verse 6 until verse 8. It says this, It pleased the king to send me, So I set a time, and I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence that I will occupy? Isn't it interesting? He has this whole plan. He has an opportunity to present the plan before the king. He's been spending time. And if you guys have been doing your reading plan during the week, there was a part where the author made a, made a note of when he, first received the, when he first received the burden, it was in the fall. It wasn't until the spring and the following year that he was able to actually have this conversation with the king. So I don't know, there's six months or so where he's just with this burden in his heart. He's crying, he's praying, he's weeping, and then he's, he's preparing a plan. and He's writing down a plan. But oftentimes, we tend to think that planning isn't spiritual, right? We don't like planning. Maybe we like the action part, we like the doing part, but we don't like to plan because we think that it's not spiritual. But God works as much in your preparation as he does in your presentation. Nehemiah had this huge burden and this enormous task to, he wanted this enormous task to be fulfilled. He's crying, praying. He's, he's looking for God. And somewhere between the birth of the vision and the sharing of that vision with the king, he's making plans. All right. So let me help you. With, let me just make this super practical, practical for us today. Sometimes we feel that the dream is so big, right? Whatever it is that God's calling you to do, whatever is your burden, the burden of this church, to plant a life-giving, gospel-centered church in the community is huge. It's a huge dream. And and sometimes we just don't know where to begin, right? We don't know where to start. Sometimes we feel the dream is so big that we just don't know where to start. Here's what you do. Okay, you ready? Take a sheet of paper, take a pen, and begin to write down the next step. Just what's the next step? In order to see this dream come to fruition, what is the next step that I have to take? And honestly, guys, if I can just share from my personal experience, that's just what I've been doing since launch day has been a year now, guys, and I know you can't wait to dig into the food that's back there and the dessert and all that. And we're celebrating a year of God's faithfulness, right? But pretty much even before that, that's basically all I've done is take a next step. Take then just taking baby steps towards accomplishing this great vision that I really felt that was birthed from a great burden from my community. And for me, it looks something like this. So this helps you and I hope it's helpful. But for me, it was something like this. What's my next step? I had this burden. I wrote down the vision. What's the vision that God's called me? I think he's called me to plant a life-giving, gospel center church in the neighborhood of Bushwood. Okay, great. So now, what's the next step? Well, the next step for me was to pray and to fast and to seek God and really cry out to him, God, what is it that you want? And really seek his face. Okay, great. we got the vision written down. We, we we're looking for God. What's the next step? But for me, it was I need to get trained. I need to seek wisdom. I need to seek affirmation? Do, do other people see this calling in me? Do they see me being able to accomplish this? Is this what God's calling me to do? Okay, great. All right. So I'm getting trained. I, two years at City to City, five months with Boulevard, urban inner city discipleship making. Okay, great. What's my next step? I had to get assessed, right? That's when you go in front of, you know, some colleagues from the denomination and they assess you and they say, well, okay, yeah, you're ready to go to plant the church and they put some resources behind you or they say, not yet, or they might say no altogether. All right, so I get assessed, what's my next step? So now I have to build a team. So I started building a team, recruiting a team, saving money, right? putting money away so that one day like, we can do something with this. We start to pray with that team. We start to train, and we start to serve our community. What's the next step? So the next step for us was just to start a gathering. And So we found a space in March 27 last year. We announced, hey, come to church. We're going to be starting a church in the community. So now, that kind of leads us to the present. But what's our next step as a church? What is God calling us to next? You know, for me, I'm always constantly trying to think of ways that we can serve our neighbors in a way that can lead to relationship building and ultimately to a gospel presentation or an invite to church. So I'm always thinking about that. How can we invite our neighbors? How can we serve them? So what's our next step? Here's what I believe. I believe that and there's a few next steps, but here's the very next one. The closest one is this. I believe it's the Easter egg hunt that we're going to do. Because collectively, I know that we can make it happen. It's going to be an opportunity to love and serve, you know, our community. I, we say here that we will do anything short of sin to reach people far from God. Because to reach people that no one is reaching, we're going to do things that no one is doing. So we're going to leverage this holiday. Because, you know, what other time? There's only a handful of times throughout the year that everybody's willing to come out and grab a piece of candy, right? And so we're going to leverage that to, for, for God's glory, to invite them into community, to invite them to church. We're going to present the gospel at the park, and we're going we're to just have some fun with the families there, and then we're going to invite them to church on Sunday. I really believe that that's our next step, and, and that's a huge goal, but honestly, I really believe that collectively we can make it happen. What about you? Okay, what about you? Bring it home. What's your next step for your God-given burden? Let me just give you some quick examples. If, if you want to grow in your faith, right? You say, man, I want to draw closer to God. I feel like I just want to grow. I feel like I'm stuck. You know, that's my God-given burden right now in this season of life is to grow in my faith. Okay, so what's your next step? It might be making God's Word a priority in your life, right? It means, man, okay, I grow in my faith when I read the Bible. Okay, great. I have that down. What's your next step? Well, start a Bible reading plan, right, on your Bible app. Maybe start right where we're reading as a church. Uh, Through the Nehemiah, that series. that Stephen's going to tell you a little bit more about that a little bit later, about that reading plan. So you might want to do that. So what's your next step? Well, if if you don't have the app, download the app. Or if you don't have a phone, guess what? We can gift you a Bible if you don't have one so that you can start reading the Bible. All right, what's your next step? Well, be intentional about the time that you set to read your Bible. Because guess what? You're intentional about eating, right? You don't just like, oops, I skipped a meal, right? You're like, I have my dinner time, right? I'm going to eat. Or you're very intentional about catching a show that comes on Tuesday nights at 8.30 or whatever, right? Or that reality TV show. Or you're super intentional about, you know, going to the movies and, and all, or playing basketball or the recreational things that we love to do. So we're going to be intentional about setting a time to dig into God's Word if this is your burden. What about this? What if you say, I want to serve on a ministry. I want to use my gifts for the benefit of the church, for God's glory, to really help people and to lead people Uh, To become fully devoted followers of Christ. I want to make a difference in people's lives. Okay, great. What's your next step? Well, what are your gifts? What are you you good at? Maybe you take a spiritual gifts test. Maybe you ask some friends that know you really well. And you ask them, you know, what am I good at? What can I do? And how can I serve the church? Okay, great. What's the next step? Well, now you choose a ministry that complements your gifts. Okay, you use it you know, maybe it's with kids, maybe it's worship, maybe it's hospitality, or whatever the case is, right, then you use that. Okay, so now what's your next step? So now you make church a priority in your life, right? Because you want to use your gifts for the benefits of the church, so you make it a priority. You recognize the importance of being part of a biblical community, and you make it a priority. The same way, you know, you make a, you make Monday a priority, right, to go to work, right? You make, it, you make everything else a priority. You make biblical community a priority because how much more important are spiritual things rather than the things of this world the spiritual and eternal benefits and the earthly riches and wealth all right so just ask yourself what's the next step whatever your god-given burden is so when it comes to your god-given burden what's your next step change your world leader makes the plans carefully here's the third thing guys we're wrapping up i know you guys are hungry i can hear your stomachs growling from here All right, number three is this. Change your world leaders inspires people passionately. Inspires people passionately. All right, this is my favorite part of the story. Okay, because Nehemiah waits three days after he arrives to Jerusalem before telling anyone about his plans. He just goes three days, he's waiting. He goes by night and he begins to examine the walls. He begins to look around and examine the walls. He sees all the burnt down gates and he sees the walls That are in shambles. And finally, after he waits those three days, and after he views everything at night, this is what happens. You guys can look at Lehemiah chapter two, and you're gonna find find it in verses 17 and 18. It says this Then I said to them, This is after he gathers a crowd, okay? He gathers a crowd now, and look what he's about to say. Let me know if you can read the tone here. You see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. And its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king has said to me. So he's saying, look at guys, look what's going on. Look at the problem. Look at the walls. They're, they're, come on, y'all. We got to do something about this. Come on, look at this. Look how God's provided. Look at how he's given us these resources. Look how he's helped us start these things here. And finally, look how they reply. Verse 18, they reply, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Tell me, guys, when you read Nehemiah's words, can you sense the passion with which Nehemiah is talking here? He rallies the people and he casts this compelling vision, right, for rebuilding the walls. And he shows them the problem. He shows them how God's provided for them. You know, he shows them, look what how good has God been. Man, he's provided us these resources in miraculous ways. And what's their response? After he, he cast this compelling vision, what do they say? Yo, let's get busy. Let's get busy, baby. We got work to do, right? They were so compelled by the vision. They're like, man, we got something to do. There's something about a passionate leader, <laughs> excuse me, that gets people fired up and motivated to conquer the world. John Wesley said this. He said, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Can you imagine what would happen if we were lit on fiery passion about the mission that God's placed in our hearts for this community? What if we would rally around this and we would be so passionately on fire for Jesus that people from the community could see it? that you'll be so on fire and so passionate, loving and serving the people of this community that when they see you in the street because you're out there serving, they're going to be like, man, what's the matter with this guy? What's what's the matter with this girl? There's something different about them. It doesn't really make sense because we're so lit on passion and, and so lit on fire for what God has called us to do. Listen, guys, I haven't always been good at casting a very compelling vision, but would you guys give me permission to try? Today, let me try, okay, to try to cast this this, this position, this, uh, this, this vision, okay? I have a dream, all right? This, this is all, this goes to, to my dream and what I want to see here in Swerve Church. And, and I hope that it just translates. Here's my dream. You ready? I have a dream that we would experience a thriving community here, that relationships would be built, that there'll be friendships and camaraderie as we gather in the back and pour a cup of coffee or cut a bagel and spread the cream cheese, that there'll be a thriving community and that there'll be friendships formed and conversations that would happen. But I have a dream that our lives would be radically transformed by the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. I have a dream that that people's lives would be changed, that people addicted to, to drugs and alcohol would be able to let go of those addictions because they were changed by the gospel message of Jesus Christ. People addicted to pornography would let go of those addictions because of the power of Jesus Christ. That broken families would be restored because of the power of Jesus. I have a dream that people would be passionately serving our community and on mission. Not because they have to, but because they get to because they're so on fire and so passionate about the mission of God that they want to be out and be the hands and feet and show God's love in practical ways and invite our neighbors into community and share the gospel and share their faith with them. I have a dream that we would experience tremendous growth and that we would see extremely spiritual growth among us and discipleship happening because we're all on different levels and we're all in different places in our walk with God. But I I pray that I would see this that we would spiritually grow in our knowledge of God's word and in praying and seeking God and in discipleship and discipling one another and in discipling others, people far from God, people don't have a relationship with Jesus, but to be able to disciple them as well. I have a dream that life groups will be held in apartments all over Bushwick, in different apartment complexes. As I was prayer walking with Melissa, we passed by the projects, the, the Hope Gardens, and we prayed. Man, can you imagine if on every block we saw a life group in each one of those Hope Gardens project buildings? People meeting, breaking bread, eating together, praying, reading God's Word, crying, helping, loving, serving one another. Can you imagine the difference we can make if we would see life groups in every in, in many apartment buildings spread all over Bushwick? I have a dream that we would celebrate Lives made new by demonstrating their faith through baptism. I have a dream that we'll be able to fill up, you know, the big pool here in the front. People surrender their lives to Jesus. We're going to dunk them and celebrate the change that God has done in their lives through Jesus. Man, I have a dream that churches across Bushwick would unify and come together for the cause of Christ, putting away their denominational differences, and that we would experience community renewal all over Bushwick. And I truly believe that Swerve Church is going to play a huge role in that, a huge part in unifying churches and bringing them together so that we can, for the cause of Christ, and to see community renewal, to see the gospel take root in this community. I have a dream that new communities would start and that more churches would plant, that that communities would start in Ridgewood and in East New York and in Bed-Stuy and, and in East Williamsburg. And that we'll see communities start there and that we'll be able to plant churches there and see life groups plant there and see the gospel go forth there. I mean, I have a dream that people would begin to exercise their gifts and their talents to bless the church and for the glory of God, that we would examine our gifts, that we would look and we would desire not to hold them to ourselves, but to use them for God's glory, to use them for the benefit of the church so that we can lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That's my dream for this church. It's no little dream. It's a huge dream. It's a big dream. And there's one that cannot happen without God and without each and every single one of you. And I pray that you would be passionately inspired to fulfill your God-given burden. I pray that you would be passionately inspired to serve the local church and to reach the people in this community and to serve our neighbors. I want to leave you guys with this quote. I don't know, I don't even know who said it or whatever. Maybe it's from a message or whatever. But but this quote says, you know, if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? If it's not you, then who? And if it's not now, then when? When can we experience community renewal? When can we see the gospel take root in this neighborhood? When will we go out and passionately love and serve our neighbors? If it's not you, then who is it? If it's not me, then who is it? If it's not now, when is that going to take place? And for all of us here, I just want to finish with good news. That, that Did you know that God had a dream for you? God had a dream for you. He has a vision for you. That dream involves coming to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. All that means, Lordship of Jesus Christ, all that means is that you surrender everything to Him. That you make Him your Lord and your Savior of your life. The Bible teaches us that we were dead in our sin, but God in His great love for us sent Jesus, though we were, while we were yet sinners, sent Jesus to this earth to live a perfect life and to die a wretched, horrible, criminal's death on a cross. And this is why we celebrate Easter. Easter's coming up three weeks away. This is why we celebrate Easter, because after his death, in which by we have experienced forgiveness of our sin, he rose from the grave, conquering Satan's sin and death so that we can experience newness of life through him. And today I invite you to respond to Jesus if you're here today and you haven't made that decision. For all of us today, would you guys take out your connection cards in the back, there's a next step. And I really pray and I hope that you guys will all take this next step with us today. And the next step is this. Is to ask God to show you the change your world leader within you. Ask God to show that within you. Pray to God this week. Show me, God, reveal to me Change your world leader within me. I'm just going to finish on this note, and then we'll pray, and then we'll chop down some good food. But but it's this, guys. There's a leader inside of you, okay? There's a leader inside of you. Danny, you don't know me. You don't know my issues. You don't know my problems. You just have no idea. There's so much to learn. There's so much to do. We have a million and one excuses. Guys, there's a leader inside of you. God wants to bring that out, to use it for his glory, his purposes, for your good, and for people to come and meet Jesus Christ. There's a leader inside of you. I need you guys to believe that with me today. Let's pray. God, would you help us, Lord? Help us, Lord, to see the leader within us and show us what's our next step. In Jesus' name, amen.